We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCready and Siski powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCready. That is Tyler Siski here on this Monday, June the 5th. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for making us a part of your week. This is our only show this week. We will not be on uh, the Thursday show because Tyler's got a baseball team to coach, <laughs> which is fine. It's, it's it, my fault. No, it's summertime. And the truth is in the summer, we're going to take a little time off here and there. And that way we're good and fresh when we uh, start the 2024 football season. Yeah, we'll 2023 fresh. football season. So we'll take a couple weeks off, and then we'll, we'll take off uh, somewhere. We'll take off the week of the 21st in October. Going to take that week off. In October? Yeah, the week okay. of the 21st of October. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that week off. I haven't memorized the schedule yet, but I know that date. <laughs> And we'll just come back and see what happens. It's like just turn everything off and just come back and see what we'll see what happens. All my Auburn people, all my Ole Miss people, they'll they will not like each other that week. They will not like each other. Coaches they, probably won't like each other that week. Will they ever like each other? It's I think this is a new thing. On a scale of one to ten, the Ole Miss Auburn hatred from an Auburn standpoint? Yeah. For a, before this week, before yeah, this year, a zero. Like, yeah, like it's still one or two probably. And I would say the Ole Miss hatred of Auburn was like four, three, four, and now it's ten. Ten. It's Tens okay. across the board. It's worse than when Tuberville left. Yeah, like I saw where Austin. <laughs> and, your, and your coach didn't even leave. <laughs> I saw where Austin Keys did a tweet. Oh. And I'm I'm obviously, I'm obviously out of touch, okay? <laughs> because I didn't see what was the big deal. And so I didn't, and people got, so fill me in. What was it that he, was there shade being thrown? Well, he said a dip from the sip, hashtag dip from the sip. What does that mean? Leave the sip. 
like come to the sip, hashtag come to the sip. Uh-huh. He put hashtag dip from the sip. Oh, okay. Well, he's recruiting for his team. I mean, whatever. <sighs> like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't get caught up in it. But it's just like anybody, any any kid from any team that transfers, that fan base, it doesn't, it's not, this is not an Ole Miss thing or Auburn thing. It could be a Alabama state. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. When a kid leaves your team and goes play somewhere else, there's just this immediate hatred and rivalry. Yeah. So it look, the kid, the kid could go win the Buckus Award for being the best linebacker in college football. And there's still gonna be Ole Miss people that think he sucks. Couldn't compete here. Had to go do it somewhere else. And if the kid and if if a I guess kid my leaves, thought was the kid leaves Mississippi State and does the same thing, they're gonna I mean if Peyton Thorne leaves Michigan State and goes to Auburn and has a great year, they're gonna be Michigan State fans. Oh, he sucks. I guess what I was getting at was that tweet didn't look all that flammable to me. And I saw the reaction to it. I was like, oh, God, that week's going to be something. It's already starting. It's already starting. You're in June. And the great news is for Ole Miss, there's an open date before that week. <laughs> you get two Wee. weeks of it. <laughs> Congratulations, Neil. <laughs> that might be the open date. I don't know what's going on with, like, kids and – what the girls will have going on or Carson soccer, but that open date weekend's the weekend that I want to say, Laura, let's go to the beach. We should do like a, we should have like a, uh, just get them all riled up. We could get Hugh on that week. Let's get Cole Kublick on that week. <laughs> well, I feel confident Cole would do it. Um, <laughs> okay. We'll get Hugh on. I'm not, I'm not all that confident that, that Hugh would do it. Not that week. Not he that week. He loves me. He doesn't love me that much. No, no, <laughs> no. Well, and that's that deal where, we get them on. We'll, we'll get to our show in a second. You get them on, and if you don't roast them, everybody's mad at oh, you. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Can't win. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but no. That's uh. That's gonna be interesting. I can't. I can't wait for that week. Actually, I can. I'm not gonna say shit. By the way, I'm just gonna sit back and eat my popcorn and see what happens. I won't have to say. That's one of those weeks you don't have to say anything. Just it'd be a great week to do a call-in show. <laughs> Yeah, we could. That's not a bad thought. Uh, this show is brought to you. This is the 81st episode of the show. It's brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. Michael Lombardi, the former NFL GM, will join us. Scheduled to join us in about 10 minutes or so. Really, I'm excited about this one. Really, really good, good dude. Um, and I won't embarrass him on the when he gets on the show, but I think it's important. Like, there are good people in the business, and there's and there's him. And he is just one of the best people in the business. One thing that I noticed from afar is how many people, and he's been doing it for a long time, right? But how many people in the business and the personnel world that he helped along the way that could do nothing for him? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. A lot of people, hey, I'll help you, but that's because that guy can help me. I mean, mm-hmm. He did it completely as a selfless human being. He did it. He helped a lot of people along the way get jobs. He helped recommend people, get them in places, help them with whatever questions you have, and he didn't have to. And the other thing that was pretty cool about him is he never, he never got too big for his britches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of guys get to positions of power and, and tune people out or whatever it is. He, he, he's just a very humble, awesome person, and I uh, can't wait to have him on. 
um, and he's obviously well respected. He's his podcast, uh, GM Shuffle podcast. I listen to all the time. Um, if you're a football nerd like I am, it's great. Uh, but he's just he's worked with the best and just a great human being, man. It's, it's just one of those people. Well, I always get a kick out of people that get into a position of power and they change because yeah. you're like, man, as fast as you got into that spot, you can get out of it and go back to being a just a regular dude. Quit. Like Phil Savage never changed when he became the general manager Correct. of the of the Browns. He just stayed the same old humble, down home, folksy guy that he was. And yeah, he he and went, now he's kind of way up with the Jets. And yep yeah, he uh he did the. He did the Senior Bowl. He did that. He did uh, the Browns, the Jets. I first met Phil. I was at Arkansas State where I first met Phil. I met him. He was working maybe for the Ravens at that time, I think. I can't remember. But that's the first time I, I'd met him. Um, he was a scout at the time. And then quickly, you know, tuned up. And then flash forward, we got to know each other and all that time. And then when I'm in Alabama, he started working for the radio broadcast. Alabama for for Alabama radio. Yeah, so I talked to him every week. Yeah, I was in Mobile stuff. just getting started, and he super nice. He was running the Senior Bowl, like you said, and he just hey, anything I can do to help? And I was like, really? And he would, and he did. Yeah, they he did a great job with that game, and yeah. Hardman says I think we should get Rico Nose on the show during Auburn week. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all still going at it? No, you and Rico. I, I have like it's just. I want to, but I don't. I really want to. I want to. I just, it's, I gain nothing from it. Yeah. But I just want to bury the guy. Sometimes. I just don't ever open TikTok. Yeah. I, I've gotten where I spend less time on Twitter than ever before. I'll look at Instagram just to see what's going on with the girls and their friends or whatever. Hit a few like buttons just to be nice. And then I don't ever do Facebook. I hate Facebook with them. I deleted a Facebook account five, six years ago. Yeah. And then, <laughs> So I don't really do any social media. And I can tell you, as you get away from social media, you get happier. <laughs> Tyler says on the in the uh, chat, and this is why it gets on, is like since we went after our deal with him, you know, yeah. I guess he was tagged in a post. And I was, he's on my For You page constantly now. Oh. All right. So I don't really follow that many people. So the For You page is where I, you know, and you can tell what you're, I get a lot of golf on my deal because uh -huh. it learns you quickly. Um, and... The other, I got a for you page of him being at the some video of him being at the movies, uh -huh. and um, him being at the movies this weekend, and he was complaining. Somebody was complaining about their seats, and I wanted to say, "How are you watching all that film? Or <laughs> you got time to watch hey, enough games? Because if you watch movies, all, if you watching all the film, you're saying you're watching. <laughs> you got you're, time to go movies. You're not going to many movies. And then he did. Uh, and then he was on my for you page during the UFC fight night this weekend. I was scrolling through between fights. And it come, if they're on live, it'll come up, you know, that they're on live, if they're on a for, for You page. And he was live mm -hmm. doing a live UFC, live watch, whatever, uh, UFC fight night. I'm like, hey. Well, he had film going on the other TV. Okay, so he was watching he the was UFC. Watching film. He was watching and had film. the film going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. That's how I did it. Well, and some of those football players might one day become UFC guys. And so he was doing some advanced scout work and things of that nature. But, hey, he's winning. I'm talking about him, so he's winning. Oh, there's no question about it. He wins. Yeah. I'm talking about him. So there you go. <laughs> All right, were you uh, were you surprised at the ruling of eight games instead of nine in the SEC? Surprised, no. Do you uh, think it's permanent? And when I say permanent, more than one year. Yes, more than one year. Okay, so you think it's two years? I of, think they'll give two years. 
Okay. Look, it, there was some, dude, I, I was. Meaning 24 and 25. Correct. Okay. What I was a little bit surprised with is, dude, Rico was pissed about this too. Um, this is another thing that popped on my For You page. Hey, I go to the movies alone sometimes. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, no. It's a movie. Yeah, I'm not going to movies by myself. Really? Yeah. Not doing it. Will you go eat by yourself? I, let me let me preface that. I have, but it was like when I was on the road recruiting, mm-hmm. if I had like depending on the time of the year, if mm-hmm. we if I didn't if I had like a 6-hour break between games or something with nothing to do, I would go to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To kill time. When yeah. I'm out in the middle of nowhere with nothing to d- kill time with. Just depends on. Well, if you think about it, you don't go to, when you're at a movie, you're not talking to the person you're with. You're I know. I, I watching just, the movie. Not my thing. I get it. Not my thing. But I get it. Um, I'm weird like that. I realize that's okay. If there's a movie I really want to go see, I'll I'll, I'll just go see it. Uh, <laughs> that's what he says. He says Rico definitely goes to the movies alone. He was actually alone in this movie. Oh, oh, here comes Neil with the. So I might have jinxed it. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and switch to this page. All right, switch it. Oh, see, that's the problem. What's that? The problem is. There you oh, go. There we go. There we go. Boom. Bada boom, bada bing. Now you were. <laughs> did your stress level just go up 200%? No, it really didn't. Uh, it makes me think that what I thought was a quick fix wasn't a quick fix. Um, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. Get- oh, it's all good. Get, we'll we'll get, be okay. Get through today, and we'll have to worry about it rest of the week. Except you and you and Chase will. <laughs> yeah, but we can always zoom a couple of shows and kind of work through it. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I can get I can get uh, the uh, Landon from Vault Entertainment came over today. Okay, and so I can get Landon to come back out and look at it and make sure that I'm not missing something. He showed me something I can do, and I'll try to do it after it's over. The uh, oh, there's our there guy on on cue. There he is. Hey there, how we doing? Michael, how we doing, brother? Good, Tyler. How are you, man? Appreciate it. Hey, Michael, thanks on? for being with us. Appreciate you very much. No worries. Joining us, I got to I got to do the formal introduction, Michael. So forgive me because I'm a football guy, not a media guy by nature. But you're getting better, though. I'm getting better. Joining us, the former NFL GM, NFL scout, senior executive, Arthur. I got to throw that in there. He's an author. Very two very good books and host. The GM Shuffle Podcast, Michael Lombardi. Appreciate you joining us today, brother. Hello, Neil. Hello, Tyler. I'm I'm appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. I know when you woke up this morning, you just said, "Man, I cannot wait till two fifteen gets here today," <laughs> because you're just not going to know how to handle your day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I, uh, I always get screwed up with Central and Eastern time. I'm on the East Coast, so it's like I was ready to go at two fifteen. Then I realized we're on Central time. So uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, no doubt. You made the jump from. Being in the football world, you're still in the football world, but being in the front office to being in media, was it difficult for you? Uh, you know, not really, because I just it got kept me talking about football, kept me engaged to the game. You know, I, I still don't see myself as a media guy. I still I don't I don't I try to have an opinion based on research, not based on you know, watching the game and then just spatting off and instant analysis. Like I'm not one of those guys that it can analyze basketball, football, baseball, hockey. I don't have that brilliance. You know, I can do football. 
I know a little bit about basketball. I know a lot about coaching. So I try to stay in my lane. I already see this is this is one of my things. I'm so glad to hear that because I I am always blown away. Don't get me wrong. I realize there's a reason that Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and those guys yeah. they are there to have an opinion on everything to create content for later down the day. I I get it. Right. But the people that aren't in that boat that pretend to be an expert on like five sports, it's not possible. Let my man Rico knows. And it's like, yeah. And it's <laughs> and, and and Michael, I bet you'll appreciate this. I have people all the time that will say to me, why don't you do things where you break down plays or break down what happened to an offense or to a defense or on, I'm like, because I don't know the game on that good of a level. I don't watch if if Michael and Tyler and I go to a football game, okay, and we watch from the same vantage point, you guys, because you're in you were in football the way you were, are going to see the game differently than I'm going to see it. You're just going to see it in a more deep level. You're going to see I And I watch a lot of football. Yet, it, it'd be like, and then on the flip side, if we all sat down with a, a laptop and said, okay, write about what you just saw, I'm going to have a much easier time putting that into thought that every man could relate to as opposed to you guys might have to look at it for a minute. You have to dial down some of the language and stuff to make it more easily consumable to right. people that aren't football experts. All right, Mike, I got I got a question for you because I I've, I have uh, you may be the last human being on the planet that worked with Nick Saban when he was an assistant. Um, mm -hmm. You you were you were in Cleveland when he was an assistant. So as a guy that worked for him, I'm kind of curious how was how was Nick as an assistant? Because I only get to hear yeah. his only get to hear his side of it. I don't ever get to hear anybody else's side of it. You know, Nick was the prototypical assistant. He was, you know, there's a difference between loyalty and devotion, right? Devotion is what most people in football want because they'll tell you what you want to hear. Loyalty is telling you the truth. And Nick was very loyal. Nick and Bill come from different platforms. You know, Nick would run zero blitz as much as he could. Bill would play conservative. Nick would play $100 blackjack. Bill might play $2 blackjack, you know. And so, and so they had this great kind of – it's respect for one another's intelligence and systems that they found common ground. And Nick was exactly, you know, he was very strongly opinionated, but when a decision was rendered, he was all on board and he went through to it. He was a great assistant. You could tell Tyler, the first day he coached, I could still remember that day in Berea, we were practicing. We had a practice at John at, uh, at Berea high school. They had a field there. And we, that's where our, we actually literally had a practice before we moved into the new facility. And, and you could tell from the first day he was in control, in command, and he knew his stuff and he was going to be a head coach. It was really easy to tell. But as an assistant, he was, he was really exactly what you want. Gave his opinion. And then once everybody aired it out, he followed the command. Yeah, we, he he tells stories, you know, when he when he was an assistant. But you know, it's a very one sided story. It was just no one ever to really because he would he would tell us how uh, they worked, and I'm sure you probably can can vouch on that. But he was talking about how there was many nights he didn't go home. You know, he spent the night a uh, many yeah. nights in the office. I, I think the work. I think I think Nick learned another level of work. I think it wore on him. Like his first year with us, he lost 15 pounds. You know his his button down sweater got big on him. You know, and so, uh, but I think, you know, knowing the way Bill was, 
you know, it's funny. I, I don't know if he told you this, but Nick used to complain like crazy about the, the methodology of after practice, we would all go into the room. I was in person. I was in personnel, but I would do it too because we were personnel and, and coaching kind of intertwined. And so we would go after practice, you know, practice at end at 3.30, you know, 4.15, there'd be a staff meeting. And at that staff meeting, we would watch special teams, offense, and defense, whatever Bill wanted to watch, you know. And Nick hated it. And Nick would be rocking back and forth in his chair, you know, uh, wanting to uh, get on with his shit, you know, wanted to get on with his stuff. And he hated it. And he complained, dog, man, this is the where I got stuff to do. But when he went to Michigan State, that was the first thing he did. Yeah, well, I was about to say, he still does it. <laughs> a whole room full of people in there watching the game practice afterwards. So I, I think, and he would be the first to admit that it was kind of like his way of, you know, you know, he accepted it. So when you guys say you watch film, you watch practice film of yes. the practice that yeah. you just went through. So when you... When you're putting that film in there, what are you looking for as a, as a staff? What are you looking for in the practice film? Well, what Bill was, Bill's the head coach, right? So he wasn't calling the defense, he wasn't calling the offense, and he wasn't doing the kicking game. But he wanted everybody to understand how the game was going to be played on Sunday. And so, you know, Nick, you know, he would ask Nick a question. You know, Nick, when we're playing red two here, what are we thinking about? Or, you know, are the offensive coaches, hey, you know, we better make sure we get a double team on this guy because he's going to fuck up the game if we don't, you know, the kind of the things that are going to happen in the game. And so, and it get everybody see to me, the problem with football today is everybody is a subcontractor. Somebody coaches offense, somebody coaches defense, somebody coaches the kicking game. And there's no real unification of that from a coach. And you need that because if you don't play the game, like, let me give you a perfect example. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why Mike McCarthy took over the play calling. So Mike McCarthy, that they're playing, the 49ers are playing the Cowboys in the in the in the in the divisional round. The Cowboys have lost Tony Pollard, right? And probably their main weapon. But they're battling, they're down by seven. There's three minutes to go in the game. And they get the ball at their own 17. Now, if Belichick would have been the head coach, he would have told, he would have told Kellen Moore look, we can't punt here because they have the best punter inside of pinning us in the 20. And even though we have three timeouts, there's a good chance we'll get the ball back without, without any timeouts and we'll be inside our own 10. And so, like, we're either going to take a stance. So let's start this drive out with a good play, get us five or six yards. Let's not, let's not try to be in a rush. Let's go – let's go a different two minute and start the drive. Well, Kellen Moore comes out incomplete, incomplete, incomplete punt. And guess what happened? Lose the game. They got the ball inside the 10 with about 50 seconds to go in the game. That's what, that's what watching the game tape, watching the practice tape does for the entire staff. It paints this picture of what the game could go like and how you're going to call the game. You know, it's funny you said that. Like, I, I always say this. I don't think I've shared this on this on this podcast, but when I went to Alabama, one of the coolest drills that we did that had never been – I mean, I've been around for a while. Once I got to Alabama, I've been coaching for 15, 16 years, is we did four-minute, two-minute. And that's what we call the drill, four-minute, two-minute. And so you had <clears throat> one offense versus one defense, you know, two offense versus two defense. And 
you know, first time the first offense gets out there, it's you're running the four minute drill, but it's live. It's not. Uh, it's it's by the clock. You have this many timeouts, and you play the situation out. So it's not a scripted, and so it forces. This is what's going to happen in the game. Just kind of what he's talking about is going. You know, he's strictly talking two minute, but the other team was in four minute coming back. But and then he would flip the script, and now you get the you know you punt, hold him to a punt with timeouts or whatever, and now you have to run the uh, run the drill out, whether you need a field goal, a touchdown, or whatever it is. But it gives. I felt working there, I got the best, and that's why I think why you see his assistants go off and have success is you get the best uh, look at how to prep for real game situations in practice instead of just, hey, we're running third and short today. Well, uh, there's a lot of things that go into just calling third and short play. Like he's talking about is going, uh, making the correct call, getting keeping you on schedule. you got to have a play, first down play, let's stay on schedule instead of doing something crazy. So that's good stuff, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, well, you need, you know, I, I think most coaches don't understand. You need, you, you can't, if you ever watch the Patriots at the middle eight, right when they get to the middle eight, you know, and they have the ball with like, say they have the ball with 425 to go in the half, there's a really good chance that first down call is going to be a run or a control pass where the ball is going to stay in bounds. Because the, the clock, they want, they want to get control of the clock. Most people are in a rush. They don't, they, football is one of the few sports that there are three dimensions. There's the, there's the, your offense or defense against their offense or defense, and then you flavor in the clock. It's very rare that you have that. And then the scoreboard. So the three levels, and you got to factor it all in because you, you know, you could score, but if you leave them too much time, they can score too. So you, you, it, it's really, a, you've got to play it right. All right, I got a question I got to ask you because it's been this has been one thing that's been on my head since I knew you were coming on the show that I've never ha- had a chance to really ask somebody that's done it before and you've been a GM and all that stuff. Let's talk about being when you're a GM and you're trying to make picks and do things and you're evaluating players and and talk about from the NFL's perspective when we see a guy that has great numbers versus a guy and he may be a terrible football player but has great numbers. And to me there seems to be a lot of disconnect in the NFL with, hey, these front offices, we're going to take these numbers guys, but they're not really good football players. And so from a coach's standpoint, you know, they see more of the football player aspect as they do the number stuff. How is a GM having a guy that's having to draft and to make the picks? How do you how do you marry those two thought processes? Well, I mean, the number you got to see the numbers on the tape, right? right. I mean, how many guys, John Ross, the kid that ran the fours, whatever he did from University of Washington, you never saw them run that fast on tape. You know, football is, you know, there's a snap count in football. And so it's like if you're a scout and you run over to the nine-on-seven drill and you're going to scout the nine-on-seven drill, you, what are you scouting? It's run. So you've taken away run or pass. So you've taken away instincts. So you're really scouting toughness. You're not scouting football talent. You're scouting toughness. It's the same thing with the with the drill. If you can't transpose the athleticism to the tape and show it, what good is it? There's a lot of guys. I call I wrote about it in my book. I call them card players, right? We had a guy named we had a guy named John Thornton, not the John Thornton from West Virginia. This kid was from Cincinnati. And let me tell you, he was a man. He was 6'2, 320 pounds. He was a man. But the only time he was a good player is when he was in the huddle and they held up the card. <laughs> okay, you, you go, you go here. And that's where he went, and he you couldn't block his ass. But when it was run or pass, you kicked his ass. He didn't know what to do. He was uninstinctive. 
So you, you, you've got to blend the two. There's no absolute answer. There's, and everybody keeps looking for it. There's no absolute answer. It's either, you know, there's somewhere in between. And so you've got to see the talent. Like I'll give an example, DK Metcalf. I screwed up on DK Metcalf. I did too. It's okay. Couldn't see his tape. Couldn't see his speed on tape. I didn't think his route tree would be big enough. You know, I didn't think he had enough of a route tree, whether he could run smash, whether he could run. And he's improved in that area. So, you know, you you got to be really willing to go back and study your mistakes, especially on those size speed guys. Yeah, don't don't feel bad. I missed on him, too. I, we had a chance to take him at Alabama. We passed on him and but he ends up at Ole Miss. I, I got to get him at the end. Take me inside the process of the draft over the course of months. I've always looked at it and thought these are really smart people who know a lot of football and you see people make first round mistakes and that kind of thing. And some of it's because you're evaluating human beings. I get that. Do you think sometimes there's so much time that it ends up uh, almost too much time for analysis and that leads to almost creating mistakes, if you will? I think there's a sense of desperation, right? Like, I mean, Will Levis gets picked in the top of the second round. I know some people had him as a first-round quarterback, but or Malik Willis, right? I mean, there, there's a guy that, you know, everybody said up until about a week before the draft was a top-ten pick. You know, there's such a sense that we try to make players something that they're not. Parcells is a great saying. When a player shows you who he is, believe him. And so the process of it is, you know, what, what happens is the scouts – start the year off now in May and they start grading all these players and they start writing reports on them. And then based on your grading system and based on your, on your team and, and your profile of what you want in each position, scouting is about elimination. It's never about finding. So you're eliminating people along the way, you know, guy doesn't meet our size speed criteria, guys, character's not good enough. The guys work out, you know, all those things. And then and then that group, then they get graded. And then the scouts kind of put together a board. But the disconnect in the NFL often happens from the scouts to the people who understand the league and how it works in terms of on the field, right? So you could say, I really like this middle linebacker. Okay, great. And give, you, give them a, you give them a grade. Let's say in our grading system, you give them a 68. Okay, he's going to be a three-down starter. Well, if they go to 11 personnel, he has no position to play. So how can he be a 68 grade? Because if I can formation you off the field, you're not very good. Yep. If I can get into a formation where you can't stay on the field, you can't have a high grade. Now, if the old days, if everybody was in two backs and two receivers, that's a good thing. But what happens is you've got to have people – it's almost like a, a you go. It's a layer effect. You get the information. The information moves up to a group of people who understand the league, and then they move the information up, and then they get it to the decision makers. And that group, decision maker group has about fifty or sixty people that they're really studying closely based on the elimination. And if you don't have that, if you don't have somebody or three or four people in your building that understand, look, that guy can't really play in our system. That guy can't play middle linebacker in the NFL, that guy's really like, like Nolan Smith, for example, really a good player, high speed guy, but he's a Sam backer in the old days, right? Yep. Nobody plays Sam backer anymore. There's no Sam backer on the end of the line. So where is he playing? 
He's got to play down. He's got to play defensive end. He's undersized at that position. He's going to have some 325-pound man breathing on him. Can he hold up? That's why, you know, the, all the mock drafts had Nolan Smith going in the top 10 because they don't understand the NFL. You follow me? Oh, I'm with you. Oh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, sure. We're and speaking so the same language. I'm fired up over here. That's what happens. And so if you don't, if you don't stay on top of the NFL, see people, when you listen to television, they say, well, they, you know, he's a third down player. There is no such thing as downs anymore in the NFL. There's no more downs. It's all formations. It's all personnel groups. It's all about personnel groups. Oh, explain Last that to me. You say there's when you say there's no downs. I think I know what you mean, but I'm I'm trying to ask for the dummy that's out there like me. When you say that, that's confusing to the person that watches football and goes, Hey, what what's what's the down? Second down. It's it's second and eight, it's third and two. What what do you mean when you say there are no downs? Well, because they it used to be first down was run, second down was run pass, play action, third down was pass. You know, and you person and your your personnel group match that. Today, you could be in 10 personnel on first down, and you might be in 22 personnel on third down. So it's all about the personnel groups. It's no longer about the downs. That's a, probably a better way of saying it. Okay. I, no, I see and what so you mean now. And because of that, you got to adjust your grading system. It's like, these, it's like calling Kyle Pitts a tight end. Okay? It's the most ridiculous thing in football, right? Oh, Kyle Pitts is going to go to the Pro Bowl. He's a tight end. He don't block me. Now, Kyle Pitts is a mismatched receiver in the slot, right? He's a big F. That's his own category, and he's really good at that job. But to say he's a tight end is a completely joke because they never run the ball behind him. They don't want to run the ball at him if he's got to block a seven technique or a nine. The only time they want to run the ball around him is if he's blocking the support star. So you got to understand all those things that come together. I haven't told you how much I like this guy. No, but this is, I mean, this is really interesting though. Because, I could do this for hours. Because there's people like me that, that watch the game a lot, but admit that, hey, I don't, I don't consume the game at a cerebral level like you guys do because I didn't work. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I didn't work with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. <laughs> I, and I haven't coached on a, on a college staff. I've covered the game. I can write about it, but I'm careful to not make some of the mistakes that, I'm, this is what's interesting to me is I'm thinking, okay, that's mental notes. All right, Mike, I got a question for you because I like to play. I like, I was guilty of playing mind games with people. So I just not you don't you don't have to admit your guilt, just allegedly. Have you ever heard of a GM or uh front office people leaking uh incorrect information out to the media so that oh, yeah. other so that other teams would either like the guy or not like the guy so they could get him in the draft? Yeah, because we're we're we don't have a lot of independent thinkers in the NFL. <laughs> You know, nobody wants to nobody wants to stand up and say, I think I'm right. Look at Will Levis. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, I mean, I don't want to pick on a player, but you know, he couldn't be he didn't he wasn't the starting quarterback in high school, I think, until his senior year. Right. He beat Sean Clifford out at Penn State. And then in every big game at, at Kentucky, he can't make a play, but yet he, you know, but everybody loves him. Malik Willis. I mean, why did Malik Willis transfer from Auburn to Liberty? Because he, he liked the, the campus in Virginia better than he did down on the plains. Come on now, give me a break. There's a reason he went there. I, you know, I mean, I'm not saying guys don't transfer. Joe Flacco transferred from Pitt to Delaware. I get it, but you better figure out the why. And so, yeah, there, and there's a lot of people that don't want to spend that time thinking about the why. So what they do is they take the easy path and that the easy narrative. 
All right, you brought me up, brought me into a question here because I didn't think I was going to get to it, but you kind of set it, teed it up there. As a GM with a transfer portal, how crazy it is right now in college, would a kid that's going from school to school to school throw up red flags for you as a GM? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, because at some point, don't you ask the question, you know, why can't you just stay there? Like the path of least resistance isn't the path that's going to be the good for our program because it ain't going to be easy here. You know, it's going to be hard. It's like, you know, the Navy SEALs, you know, they tell you before you join, it's going to be hard. It ain't for everybody. I mean, <laughs> oh. you know, you, you guys listen to basketball, the Miami Heat, you listen to Spolster's press conference, he'll be the first to tell you, you know, our program's not for everybody. If you want to have a mentally tough team, you know, if I was a college recruiting coordinator, you know, I, I would be really careful with taking somebody else's problems. I would be really careful of that. Have I ever told you how much I loved you? <laughs> yeah. No, man. It, it, to me, it's common sense. Like, you know, that's what happened to us in free agency when I was in the, when I was in the league. You know, we were – free agency was, 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 a, was really intoxicating. Oh, well, we get this guy. Yeah, but he, he's somebody else's problems. you got to make sure you can handle that problem. How does he fit into what you do? Ain't no doubt. I mean, that's the – to me, that's the – when you what what you have with a portal right now is you have unlimited free agency, and so yep. it's the same thing if an NFL team just cuts everyone and then goes and you go and just start a whole new team. You can't expect to have culture or any kind of, you know, substance to what you're trying to teach. And you know, you're an independent contractor, which you know that's a term he brought up a minute ago. Well, that, and culture it takes time to build. I mean, if you <clears> if you to use the NBA as an analogy, the two teams that are in the in the finals right now are two teams that have very unique cultures denver has built this culture over years they they stuck with um you know they got no uh no kitch built around him brought in murray had some injuries decided to stay with him malone had seen what happened when you broke up a team in sacramento too quick you break it up you have no chance so he's like no let's take this patient attack and then like michael's saying the heat have a very unique culture that's very much built on hey we're, we're going to almost create adversity for ourselves through the course of a season, attack it, and by the time we get to the end of a season, into the postseason, we're mentally and physically tougher than almost any team we're going to encounter, and you've seen that in the playoffs. I, my question about the college game, and I was working on this for my 10 Thoughts piece that's going to come out later today, which is, you know, I was looking at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, at Auburn, at these schools that are that are getting up around 20 transfer portals in this cycle alone, meaning December to May. And I'm like, that's a quarter of your roster that's coming brand new into your system. Well, you're gonna have you're gonna have virtually no culture to get started with. Now, it doesn't mean you can't build that culture in a in a I, I guess a pretty quick amount of time, but it, it feels like it's a real risky build proposition. Oh, no doubt. I think where we are in college football today is we are a lot where the NFL was in the forties before the advent of the draft, you know, Burt Bell was the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles and he went to Minnesota to try to sign this fullback Stan Cork Conkey or something like that. And he met him at the hotel in Minneapolis and the guy was negotiating with three other teams and he couldn't get a deal. And on the train ride back home to Philadelphia, he said, you know, and he wasn't the commissioner. He was the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. He said, we, we have to come up with a way to where this is balanced because Don Hudson, the great wide receiver for the Packers, you know, he signed two contracts, one with the Giants and one with the, uh, and one with the Packers. And the only reason he became a Packer was because the Packer contract was postdated earlier than the Giant one. 
So there's this cre- there's this whole sensation of of absolutely insane, really with no rules. It's just it's it's the wild wild west, and that's a real issue. Hold on, somebody's not going to argue right back. Hey, hey. The beauty of podcasting. At least he's got his dogs are fired up. Yeah, dogs. they're going to protect him. Yeah, he's, that mailman is That's not no chance. No chance. <laughs> mailman is in trouble right now. That'd be the one thing about being a mailman, too, man. I mean, you go to a door and you see a Labrador retriever or something. You're like, oh, it's all good. You go to a door and it's like a German Shepherd snarling at you, or a Doberman or something. And you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave this. Don't here. you have to? If you're a mailman, you have to have like a like a fanny pack of like dog treats or something. To call something. I mean, you got to have something, right? Something just to like, hey, <laughs> hey. Roscoe, listen, I got a milk bone for you. <laughs> that's got that's got to be bad. Oh, those poor plumbers. Anyway, so that, did he have did he have any dog treats? Oh no, he was fine. These dogs, they they're just loud. They're Italian dogs, so they're loud and they got a big mouth, but they don't do very much. They're, they're the the thing is, I think it's such a wild wild west. You know, like look, Georgia. You know, I think what Kirby said. I took Kirby's comments after. He won the national championship. He said, you know, what I'm really proud about this team is we didn't take one transfer. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Kind of like he was telling everybody, like, you know, I, I mean, I took it as a shot towards Alabama because I think every time Georgia says something, they're taking a shot at Alabama, right? And so it was like, you know, we're not we're not going to build our program that way. Yeah, it's, it's the interesting thing about it. Georgia's not using the portal much at all. Alabama uses it a little bit more, but in comparison to the rest of the SEC, Alabama doesn't use it Clemson much. Clemson doesn't for sure. And it just makes you wonder, like, Okay, so those are the programs. I don't know how much Ohio State's using it. Some. A little bit. Michigan, not much at all. I look at it and go, so those are the programs that are having success. And maybe you can't do it the way they do it, so you do it your way. But I wonder if doing it to such an extreme difference is a little bit of blindness. But I, I could. I think 
hard part with Lane Kiffin's going to have and what uh, Arkansas is going to have with and and all these is you got to change your program. You got to you know when you bring in twenty new people into your program, there's you got to make them feel like they belong. And there and to create a team, it's really a spiritual challenge. And you got to get all those twenty guys to buy into we versus I. And you got to tell a story as the leader why they should buy into that. And when you're in a transactional business like this portal is, it's really challenging to tell that story of we versus I. It's really hard. And so that that compounds the problem. You mentioned Will Levis. I'm curious, what were your thoughts on Anthony Richardson, who had moments at Florida and had moments where he was really bad at Florida? They didn't get things done. Like I remember watching him against Vanderbilt where he was ineffective. In a loss right. to Vanderbilt, what do you what do you think of him? I saw him as a as a you know when he was rotating with the other kid who ended up going to Arizona State. When I first saw him, I thought this kid's going to win the Heisman. I thought he was incredible athletically, and then I was and I was really and then he played against Utah, and even though everybody thought he played good against Utah, I, I just thought he missed way too many th- easy throws. I thought, well, he's just going to need another year. I mean, I respect the talent, I really do. I just think to me, you know, from watching Lamar Jackson, I saw Lamar Jackson as a sophomore really struggle. And when he played Texas A&M in the, in the Music City Bowl in Nashville, he took this mother may I step forward. And then his junior, he wins the Heisman. I, I, I didn't see anything near that ability in terms of production from Richardson. Athletically, yeah, but not the production. And so what I think Indy did was they they just said, look, we're going to take this kid and we'll grow with them, you know, like a college would. I, I think it's kind of hard. I, I I would have been scared. I'm from the school of past performance predicts future achievement. And I have a hard time with a guy that hasn't always been a great thrower or instinctive player. There, to me, it was a one quarterback draft. I, I love Bryce Young, but I didn't love anybody else. As quarterback, I love Richardson as an athlete, and he might come in the league and start running around you know, it's like everybody says, well, Justin Fields is going to win MVP this year. Well, you know, like you're going to have to throw the ball effectively to win MVP. They still they still have the forward pass in the NFL. Well, he only <laughs> threw it 22 times a game, and his team averaged eight and a half points a loss. They only threw it tw- – they threw it the lowest amount of any team in the league. You don't have to tell you Neil know? here. Neil's our, Neil's our resident uh, Bears fan, so he, 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 feels, he feels the pain. Now, the guys are running back. I'm not going to argue that. But if it's third and eight and we got to keep the ball and we're going to have to run stick or we're going to have to run some combination in the window. Look, Brett Favre has a great saying. Brett Favre says every quarterback can throw the ball through the door. Good quarterbacks can hit the doorknob. Great ones throw it through the keyhole. Do you ever think Justin Fields is throwing it through the keyhole? No, his his accuracy did not improve. I didn't think his accuracy improved. I didn't think his decision making really improved. They clearly were protecting him. At least it looked like to me from a play calling standpoint. And I mean, you know, when you're in the development phase, I, I guess I sort of got it. But I, I I never looked at that last year and thought that guy is going to take his team to the NFC Championship game. That nine one sacks. In two years, 29 fumbles, 19 interceptions, you know, like those are not things that you just overcome in a year, you know, and this whole nonsense, well, he's improved, he's buzzed light years ahead of where he was. I mean, I've read that all off season. 
There was a tape the other day on Twitter watching Trey Lance going through bags and throwing the ball. And everybody's making comments about the throw, which is horrendous. I mean, he threw it like it wasn't even wild outside. It was not even on the same planet. And 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 that video is kind of indicative of 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 what people don't know about the quarterback position is if your feet aren't tied to your arm, you you can't play the position. I love this guy. Have I have I told you how much I love you? I've been trying to tell people this. Nobody wants to listen to me. I guess I, I gotta I gotta be like you. All right, I got a question for you. It's like the great Howard Cosell said, if you see it, you got to say it, you know? And the problem, we live in a world, and Neil talked about this to start the show, is nobody says it. Everybody just says the same thing because everybody's scared to get yelled at on Twitter. That's it. All right, question for you. Is Kyler Murray a dead man walking in Arizona? Well, look, he's got the owner in his back pocket. For me, if I were the GM, he'd be a dead man walking. I would have never gave him that contract. Look, you can't – look, I was listening to Phil Jackson on a podcast with Rick Rubin, and Phil Jackson told the story about Walt Bellamy, who was a player with him on the team. And Walt Bellamy, they, they were they were playing either in Atlanta or somewhere, and a fight broke out. And every player on the Knicks team went out to, to kind of get in the melee, except for Walt Bellamy. He sat on the bench. And the GM was furious that he sat on the bench. And so they went up to him and they said, Walt, why the hell would you, uh, why didn't you get involved in the melee? And he says, you know, basketball ain't important enough to fight about. Well, they traded him the next day for Dave DeBusher, which ended up making their team and winning a championship with them. Well, when, to me, when I saw Kyler Murray sitting on the bench and Buda Baker, the best player on the team, he didn't have the decency to walk out there to see how this guy was when the entire team was out there. I mean, I don't know what more you need to see. Again, go back to what Parcell says. If they, t- if a player shows you it is, believe him. Yeah, I have a, I have a very uh, unique suspicion that they're not going to be very good this year, and they're going to be in position to take Caleb Williams or Drake May or somebody early next year. Oh, you think the Bears and, will uh, be? But, but you know, the oh, question Arizona. you asked me earlier yeah. about why the draft screwed up is because bias sets in. If they convince themselves, which is very easy to do because they gave them money, that they can turn them around. Just like the Bears, look, I said this all offseason. If Caleb Williams was coming out this year, the Bears would have ditched Justin Fields and picked Caleb Williams. There's, to me, there's no doubt. The only reason they didn't pick Bryce Young is because he's not 6'3". Uh, I mean, if you had been the Bears GM with the first pick, would you have held on to it and taken Young and admitted that the previous people made a mistake on Fields and tried to – I mean, you wouldn't have gotten any return on your dollar, really. I mean, you would have gotten something, but not much. I, I, I would have moved on. This is my guy right here. See, that's that's my problem with the, that's my problem with. Go ahead. I don't think you can instinctively. His release is really bad. His release is is really kind of not locked in. I don't know if you could change it. It's such a quarterback league. It's a quarterback game. Yeah. But especially now that quarterbacks are protected the way that they are, it's a quarterback game. It's a quarterback league, and if you don't have one, it is it is like going into a fight with your hands tied behind your back. I mean, maybe you got a shot to kick your way to a win, but it's going to get really hard when you start moving up to playing the teams that have one. <laughs> yeah. And so that's my deal with the Bears. When I looked at him, I'm just like, he's he's just not there, and he's not probably going to get there. And if he's not, you've got the pick. I don't know. You know, it's funny. We, we talk about hanging on to these picks. 
the 2019 draft, which is really the draft to evaluate now, right? There's only 55 of the 254 players of those draft picks are still on their team. Their original team, 50, 55 out of two, that's, that's 22%, you know? Now, 46% are on new teams, you know? And 32% are out of the league. So there's a better chance for players to be out of the league than they are, you know, and 39 of the 73 are starters are, are, are on their original 39 of the 50 of the 73 of the 55 are starters on the original club. So like you, you got to admit you make a mistake because everybody's making them. Yeah, that's a hard thing for people to do in, in all walks of life. You know, you've, I've, I've seen you write about it and talk about it. It's, it's uh, people don't like, for whatever reason, there's so much ego involved with stuff. People don't like to admit, yeah, that was an error. That was a, that was a career mistake. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have taken that job or I, I didn't do a good job there or we weren't ready to play that day or, or whatever the case may be, right? No one's perfect. You're going to make mistakes. The ability to acknowledge, hey, we made an error, got to move on from it. Can't just keep wallowing in it. Got to got to move on. Got to take our medicine and go on. It is so rare, and I think it's it's probably one of the things that separates good from great. No doubt. All right, I gotta I gotta ask you another question here since you're since uh, I don't get you on here very much. Am I crazy to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are in a position to make a big jump and become uh, part of the contenders in the AFC? You know, I don't think you're crazy for the logic. I, I, I worry about a team going from good to great, you know, and we talked about this on my pod today. You know, look, you go back through their year at the end of the year, you know, they, they beat Dallas in overtime, they, they, which was a very fortunate win for them. They were very fortunate down the stretch. They earned it. They got it. Their defense didn't play well. You know they beat they beat Indianapolis they they beat uh, excuse me they beat Houston, which they lost to earlier in the year. They beat a bad Tennessee team twice, you know, and so and then they get behind against the Chargers and they and the Chargers just fold. I mean, the Chargers were thirty first in the league and rushing it. They couldn't run the ball. They were they they had no ability to run the football. Twenty ninth in yards per attempt, so they couldn't hold on to a lead. And then they played Kansas City. And, you know, for me, whenever watching a game, there's two things you got to determine in watching a football game. Who's in control and who's in the lead, right? And it's easy to figure out who's in the lead. You just look at the scoreboard. Who's in control is a little different. I never felt Jacksonville was in control. And I never felt like they were in control, even in the last Tennessee game, when they, when they with Joshua Dobbs playing quarterback. Now, all that being said, the challenge is, can you get these players to realize there's another level we got to get up to? And that requires a lot of hard work. That requires a lot of dedication and it requires a lot of patience. And I, I don't know where that is going to come through. I think they need more defense. I mean, Walker's got to come through for him as a Russian. There's no question about yep. that. You got the, you got, you got Amazon packages coming again. <laughs> well, one, well, she, she, she did love to hear herself talk. She's nope. the smartest one too. And I keep asking her, I'm like, at some point, when do you realize you're barking just a bark? <laughs> no, I, I think with the with the division, you know, you got Houston's got a new quarterback. You're gonna have Tennessee's probably gonna have a new quarterback, and you got Indianapolis. Like the division set up for them to basically walk into the playoffs if they can have a self, you know, a, a semi competent season. Um, right. But you know, that's why I was asking: is the division's gonna be easier? I would 
would underestimate Vrabel. I mean, Vrabel had one of the most amazing coaching performances I've ever seen in the history of the game. And in a losing effort, that game, should it should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, here, here he is. He's playing off a of bye week. He goes to Kansas City. He's got Kansas City. Uh, they're coming off a of bye. Patrick Mahomes, they're healthy. And they end up, and he's got Malik Willis playing quarterback. He gets a first down with five minutes into the second quarter, and then he doesn't get he gets one more first down the rest of the game. Think about that. One more first down. And he's in the lead until the last drive of the game when Mahomes they kick they score a touchdown to send it to overtime. He got one first down and almost three, and yet they were still in the game. To me, now he got hurt. A lot of guys got hurt on his team, but I would never underestimate the Tennessee Titans with Rabel as a coach. No, I I'm definitely I won't, but that's just you know I'm, I'm thinking that you got Trevor Lawrence year three. He made strides in year two. Um, Calvin Ridley, bless him, I love him to death as a human being. He's coming back. I'll be interested to see how that works out. Um, any any word, any thought on that process? Calvin Ridley coming back for the next year. I thought it was a great. I thought I thought that that uh, that was a great trade at the trade deadline. I thought he gave up. You know, he gave up very little for him. Trent Balke gave up very little for him. I thought he was a great trade. I think he was the perfect piece because Evan Ingram, again, is not a tight end. Nobody's running lead behind Evan Ingram. Nobody's running power over Evan Evan Ingram's an F, a big a big receiver, right? And so, uh, you know, now they can be in – really they can be in a, in, in a true 11 personnel formation. And whether they put Ingram – if they're in with Ingram's on the field, people are going to count it as 10. And if they have another tight end on the field, they're going to count it as true 11. So, you know, and and they could be really a dynamic team with those skill players, assuming. Now, remember, to me, I, I think people misconstrue this all the time. The running back makes the spread, not the receiver. The running backs make the spread. Because you can't, you can't, if you have a great back back there, you can't cheat the box. If you have a great receiver, you can roll the coverage. Yep. It's going to be a lot of preseason hype on the Jets. Do you with with Rodgers? Do you buy it, or or how long? How hard is it for a quarterback to walk into a new organization and and for them to compete in that division? I think it's hard because you know he's not walking into a championship organization. So let, let's have some facts here. You know, since the Jets went to the Super Bowl in '68, they've only been to the playoffs 13 times since '68. They've only they haven't been to playoffs since 2010. I mean, this is not a historically great franchise. And I think someone's got to teach them how to be great. You know, the head coach has already come out and said, well, we're one of the six or the seven teams that are competing for a Super Bowl. Really? You didn't make the playoffs last year. How the hell are you, you going to take this giant step? Like, and then in the next sentence, he says, well, we got to stay in the moment. Well, you just went out of the moment. Yeah, and that's in a conference with the Chiefs and the Bengals. And I mean, they're, they're, they're Bills. And, and, Beat the Bills. Who now? The other fact I didn't add into there, he's only won two AFC East games his whole two years at the Jets. He beat Miami once and he beat Buffalo. He hasn't even beat New England. So, like, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> My man's on here spitting facts today. I love it. All right, go, we got a question from the chat. Well, I mean, I, you think how good the Bengals were last year and they couldn't get to the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the Bengals were a really good team the last, what, 12, 13 weeks of the season. They went to Buffalo in a playoff game and just decimated the Bills and still couldn't get to the Super Bowl. It's it's hard to win. And so when you yeah, haven't won and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're a Super Bowl contender. 
All right, I'm yeah. a, I, I'm a dragon. I mean, okay. <laughs> Neil, I don't know if you knew this, Michael. Neil identifies as a lion now. So I didn't know if you, you, you knew that or not. But, hey, uh, we had a question in the chat that, that I actually had written down. Who was the uh, Indoors Rules uh, 28? Comes up with a question, but I had it as well. Best player you've ever seen with your own eyes in your long career? The best player I've seen in my career? Oh, uh, Randy Moss. Oh, he's pretty Randy good. Randy Moss was, was, elect, was, was rare. I mean, I've been really blessed. I've seen Tom Brady. I've seen Joe Montana. I've seen the great Jerry Rice. We drafted Jerry Rice my first year in the league. Charles Haley. Ronnie Lott, I just wrote a book about the top 100 players in the league and, you know, and Ronnie Lott and those guys, uh, you know, those 49er players are all in there. And, and, you know, but Moss was, was different. It was rare, rare acceleration. It was rare speed. I mean, you know, there's so many great players that you see that, you know, he just like, wow, you can learn a lot watching Randy. You learn more watching great players play than you do anything. They teach you something. No doubt. All right. Got, I got to get these out of the way because I, these are my uh, me, me thinking of things I want to ask you that nobody else is going to ask you. All right. So you've been around literally the best that's ever done it. Okay. Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, Al Davis, the owner. You've been around all of them. All right. If you could pick one person that you've worked with, one coach or one owner or anything else, just you could pick one one of them to go on vacation with you for a week, who would you take with you? Uh, probably me and Belichick, and we would talk nothing about – we would only talk about football. Every time I'm on the phone with Bill, my wife says to me, do you talk about anything other than football? And the answer is no. I would probably take him, you know. Because the one thing about Bill is Bill's a great teacher, and so you learn a lot. Yeah, no, it, it's – it's uh, I would always during like pro days and stuff when he would come down or anytime he would come down to Tuscaloosa and be next to Coach Saban, I would I would be like a little leech. I go there, act like I had something to tell Coach Saban, just there and listen to him talk. I could do that all day. It was awesome. All right, do do you have any? All right, this is I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this. I've tried to go back and listen. Do you have any conspiracy theories that you believe in? Oh, I do. I believe there's no doubt. I believe that Lee Harvey Oswald didn't act alone. You know, and I've read enough books to back it up. I don't know where you are on this, Neil, but I can change your mind in an hour if you give me time. You know, I uh, pre pre COVID, I naively bought the case closed book that hey, he acted alone. And, He's a fraud. And, I kill him on Twitter all the time. He's such a fraud. I love this. And, He's trying to hide, and he refuses to debate. Posner refuses to debate the people that are really good. James Indochino, you know, Lisa Peace. He, he refuses to debate any of them because he doesn't want to ever be exposed as a fraud. Who do you think did like, it? Like I would debate anybody on Justin Fields not being a good player. You can you could agree with me. You cannot agree with me. I'll debate him. I mean, that's fine. I, I'm not going to run from it. But when you won't debate somebody because you don't want to, you don't want to be exposed. That's a problem. <laughs> Who do you think did it? Who think killed Kennedy? I think that's the hard question. I think it was a comment. I think it was truly CIA motivated. If you read, if you read the Devil's Chessboard by David Talbot, if you read Mary's Mosaic, which is about uh, this book about Mary uh, Pishnet Meyer, who got killed on a towpath in Georgetown, who was JFK's prime uh, mistress, who also was they think responsible for the American speech about Pax Americana, 
what kind of peace do I seek? I think it was that. I think there was certainly there were a lot of elements in it. It truly was a takeover. Do you think Oswald was involved in it? Do I think who? Do you, do you think Oswald was one of the shooters, or do you so think I, he was a patsy? I think Oswald was a patsy. I think he was a uh, – so nobody realizes this, but Oswald – when he was in jail, they allowed him. They allowed. He asked for a phone call. They wouldn't. You know, they, first of all, they 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 taped none of the, the. Nobody recorded any of the conversations when he was in Dallas jail, but that he requested to to make to a phone call, and the call that he made was to this one number in Raleigh, nine one nine number, and it was this counterintelligence agent. That's who repped him. That was his handler. He was calling his handler like, "What the f? Like, what was I? What what was I doing?" And so, you know, there's just no, if, you know, we're all football people. If we went to a whiteboard and put up Ruby connected to this guy, connected to that guy, like how does it all add up that one guy just decided to go up on the sixth floor and start shooting? Like none of it adds up. I think your dog, I think the CIA is at your front door because the dogs are getting after you. Oh, they're, they're, yeah, I apologize. Hey, they, no, no, it's all no, great. Trust me, it's actually, fine. It actually adds to it's, it. It's, it's fun. funny. No, I, I, it's funny that you say that. People that are in the chat or listening are just dying laughing because this is we we literally somehow get to JFK about once a month on the sh- on this show somehow. I went to uh, I went to uh, the first time last summer. I went to USC uh, fight in Dallas, and me and my son went to the Texas State School Depository for the, the did the tour, you know. And I, I tell people all the time now that I've been there, and I'm a visual person. I had to get on the grease board. I had to see everything after going there and seeing the actual layout and the dimensions in person, there's no way anyone can ever tell me that he acted, that he did this by himself. No, there's no way you could because he would shoot him coming up on Houston instead of waiting for him to be in a triangular configuration. The other thing I think when you go there is nobody talks about the J.D. Tippett murder. And if you really get into that, there's a lot of good books on Tippett's murder on what that was. I think Tippett was respond was going to try to part of the same thing that Ruby was Ruby got the got the call to make sure Oswald was silent. That was a call he didn't want to have to have to handle. The fact that Ruby sneaks into the police station is almost bizarre. That he was in there correcting Oswald on fair play for Cuba. It's just to me, it, it really takes advantage of this the, of our level of intelligence that people actually think he did alone. It's really a point of whatever the narrative you want it to be. You know, the the CIA had this thing called Operation Mockingbird, which was. Basically, they used cover stories in different countries to, d- to determine what they wanted to do. This truly was an operation. I can do. Love it. Oh, I could, I could, I could ask for <laughs> an hour about this. The, the, the tippet, you're right. The tippet thing is fascinating because it's kind of broad daylight. And the, the eyewitnesses on the tippet murder don't really identify Oswald. Plus, he couldn't get there in time if you timed it. You know, and he had no business being there. And there was a wallet left on the scene of the crime that was Oswald's wallet that nobody can find. So that was taken out. And then, you know, and then when he was in a lineup, nobody identified him. And then they made the lineup so much that there was no choice. I mean, it was really just it, the whole thing was was a cover up from the beginning. It, it, it is to me, you, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. You just have to be a logical person. Now, I can't answer who did it, but I know this. You know, if you're in New Orleans and you're standing on the corner of Camp and Randall's, Camp and Lafayette Street, that's no longer there anymore, Oswald's going into one building, Guy Bannister's going into the other, and they're both going to the same address, and David Ferry's in there, and Lee Oswald's passing out flyers. Like, is it all these people are in the same place? 
the interesting thing to me is that all these years later, what it's almost 60 years later, it is 60, 60 years, years this, this year, this November, 60 years. Yeah. I was doing math in my head. I went to ULM math's not a strong suit. <laughs> we didn't, we never had to count to 60. Um, 60 years later, what's fascinating is they're still keeping records from hidden. The, from the hidden, and you wonder like what why what is the fear about what if 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 the truth got out? I think they're keeping right. They won't release them because Ruth Payne's still alive. And Ruth Payne, there's a great, there's a few great documentaries, but there's one on Mrs. Payne Garage. She was a woman who took Lee Harvey Oswald's family in. She was from the alleged Russian community, and she wasn't really. You know, and then she basically everything that linked Oswald to the crime came from her garage. You know, she happened to walk by and see a, a notebook out that he was writing. He wanted to kill everything. And, and she's maintained this the whole time. Her husband, who got divorced, he ended up passing away. And, you know, her sister was had affiliation with the CIA. I mean, so I think it, when she, until she dies, I don't think they're going to let anything out. Do you think we find out in our lifetime, or do you think they just keep it hidden? No, I think they're going to keep lying to us. Because it, it, it's like any story that we can't get it into the national media. Nobody has an appetite. Nobody, Everybody believes that Oswald did. Most people don't believe Oswald did it alone. But there's no, because of the way our media runs in this country, they really control what, what they want to tell us, not what the news is. You know, they, 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 they tell us this. I mean, you go to the worldwide leader, the worldwide leader will make Tim Tebow. I mean, they can bring Tim Tebow back to talk about him. They would for sure. Cause that gets clicks. You know, that gets, we, we put Tebow on, he gets clicks. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, I appreciate the hell out of your time. Yes, um, sir. Absolutely. That's for my dogs. Anytime guys, let me know. Hey Mike, I know I, I told him I'm not going to try not to embarrass you, but I am anyway. I want from, from a, College guy that, and I told people before you came on how much you are respected amongst, and you don't even probably know this, but how many people in the in the business and the college business and personnel business, how highly they think of you because of how out of the way you've gone to help people uh, in the in the business when you didn't have to, you didn't owe anybody anything, and and it's much appreciated uh, from the college guys about how how good you are to the profession. Well, people are good to me, you know, and you got to give back to people. That's part of when, you know, I'm going to turn 64 this month. I think it's important to give back and, and to teach people, you know, and, and whatever knowledge I've been able to accumulate through my life, it, it's always good to give something back to people. And there, and I think it, personnel, like I wrote this book and I spent a lot of time on the draft and I talked about the great Bucko Kilroy, who was instrumental in developing you know you know that grading system you used at alabama that started in cleveland in 91 and and that came through bucko that came through gil brandt that came through dick mansberger that came through a lot of guys and they all were kind enough to teach me the system and we don't really to me there's not enough people that understand what a grading system is and what it does we have too many people talking about what round the guy's going to get drafted. And so anyway, I can help. I'm always going to help. Well, it's much, it's much appreciated brother, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it guys. Have a great I one. I appreciate you brother. How awesome was that guy? Oh, that, that was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, real quick, 
Pay a couple yeah. bills here. Uh, we're brought to you by Walk On Sports Bistro, I should say. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po' boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. We're also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, but the same great people, products, services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. Uh, Austin came in with a super chat, said, have you all seen how much money Target has lost? I have not seen the exact number, uh, but our good friend Bob sent me a, a tweet this morning that Bud Light has lost $27 billion in market cap. Get you some of that. Wow. As I've been saying for a little while, um, it's, 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 did a show last Thursday night with Josh Hendrickson. I should say Dr. Josh Hendrickson. He has a doctorate. Um, the economic head of the chair of the Department of Economics. Yeah. At, at Ole Miss. And, uh, his thoughts on all of that stuff are fascinating. It's worth, I know it was my podcast. I had no role in. I could have just said, "Hey, it's your show, talk," and walked away. Um, he's he's got a lot of thoughts on it. A lot of other smart people have a lot of thoughts on it. I, I'm 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 amazed by it, frankly, that you see this level of pushback starting to percolate in media in society. Uh, it's 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 interesting the number of people like i can't believe you guys are getting worked up over this and it's like no it's but it's bigger than that it's it's i th i think it should tell you that it's about com it's not really about beer or about target no. or about a store right it's it's telling you that people are like i think getting tired of being told that hey we all hate each other we all have to hate. There's all this hate. It's not really hate. No, there's no hate. It's just common sense. Yeah. There's common sense. You know, you common sense party 2024. Well, you walk into a you walk into a room and it, it just makes no sense to I'm not saying to be disrespectful to, but it makes no sense to kowtow to the less than one percent, and I think it's significantly less than one percent of a population. Doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful to them. Are you you're going to direct your marketing campaign? That that would be that would be like you going, "Hey, we're going to build a football roster." Listen. Let's get as many kickers as we can. <laughs> Don't forget the long snappers. Let's let's get kickers. Don't forget my long snappers. I mean, you said you, you no, you you're going to get guys that play on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> you're going to get running backs. You know what I mean? It's just it's a it's just common sense. It's common sense. And, and the money, though, hopefully most companies will see this and not do this in the future because there's no way somebody – now can you imagine being the guy going in, hey, I got this idea for a marketing campaign. Hopefully somebody in the back goes, hey, have you all seen what's happening with Bud Light? And Well, that's the interesting part is that we've talked about repeatedly is that in, it, it, it's, it's very apparent. Hopefully that's – we've caught up with time where that yeah. slows down. Yeah, because it's very apparent that in those situations nobody said, hey – why exactly are we doing this? Yeah. Like, what's the goal? Hey, a couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, we kind of started a little bit 
uh, before uh, Michael came on and gave us his time, we were talking about the eight-team eight schedule and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of media pissed off, a lot of fans pissed off and going after this, this whole – can't believe the SEC is not going to nine games when all the other conferences do and all that stuff. Look, at the end of the day, Greg Sankey said, hold my beer and watch this. With the eight games, it's it's about getting more teams in the playoffs. They're still going to play a Power Five opponent, so technically their ninth conference game is against one of one of the other yeah. conferences, right? Yeah. But I don't. I think it's bad for the fans. Me personally, I would have loved to seen it, but I do understand what they're doing there. Um, but there are some people pissed off about it, boy. They went after him, and then uh, a rule that I think is finally going away that they that nobody talked about in this deal. The IAWP rule, the individuals associated with the prospect rule, okay. I think is about to go the way of the woolly mammoth. So that is a rule that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it kept me. It, it was a. I was on a three month delay before I could get to Ole Miss when I was hired. I had to fill out. It's individuals associated with a prospect. What it was designed for was really for basketball, right? So you couldn't go hire the AAU coach to come coach and go get all these players. That's what it was designed for. However, somehow or another, it bleeds into football and off-the-field positions. So when I left South Alabama to come to Ole Miss and I was going to run recruiting, I had to fill out IEWP paperwork for every player on the Ole Miss roster and everybody that they were recruiting and, and show documentation of communication with them, saying basically saying, hey, I'm going to Ole not going, you know, that I wasn't trying to convince them to come to Ole Miss or go there. Some of the dumbest things I ever heard of in my life, like – did you really think I was going, hey, look, this is what's going to happen, okay? I know you're not going to believe this, but there's this guy named Hugh Freeze. He's the head coach at Ole Miss. There's about to be a scandal, okay? They're going to fire him. All right, now listen, this is crazier. They're going to hire one of my best friends as the head coach when this happens. Now, none of this has happened yet, but this is going to happen. And then I'm going to go to Ole Miss, and I'm going to work there. Okay, so you go ahead and go to Ole Miss now, and I'll come coach you in two years. Would have been a hell of a recruiting pitch. But how's done? You know, it's yeah. like look, I had, it took three months for me to get approval. Yeah, I remember. It was a nightmare. I mean, it's just like you're just sitting there. Your golf game improved. My golf though. game was great. AJ and I played golf. I think every day, it was great. I was getting paid. It was. It was. It was. I was on vacation, but because every time I talked to you, you were on the golf course. That <laughs> there's three months. Hey, you got this thing done yet? Nope. Nope. Hey, I heard. I remember. I remember the first time you called me. Okay. Yeah. So this started like in November or no, early December. You called me around Christmas, maybe a little bit after. I don't know. You got wind of it. Yeah. And you're like, "Hey, is there any truth to this?" I'm like, "Uh, are you coming back to Ole Miss?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know." Uh, Which immediately was like, "You are." So what's the deal? <laughs> yeah. And so this goes on for. I mean, it was like in February. Mid February, maybe it was after signing day. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was mid to late February when you finally got here. Very weird. Like Matt would call me, like, "Hey, watch." So I'm kind of like working, but not working. Hey, watch this guy. Tim, what you think? Watch this guy. Watch this guy. And so I was evaluating players, but I really wasn't working here yet. It was a strange deal. But that's going away because of NIL has kind of done away with that, right? I mean, we're now we're we're paying players, so it really doesn't matter. Um, and then they're talking about moving signing day up to and they. I wish they'd move it back, but they're talking about moving it up either to August. Okay. Or because I hate where it is. Well, it's it's bad, right? Where it is now is bad. And it's they get they're good for moving it. But where it is now is it's right after the portal window opens, right? And so 
you're killing high school kids because people are trying to save spots for portal guys and the portal windows. It's the way it correlates. It's in there. the middle of bowl season. It's 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 right it's before terrible. Christmas. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing positive about it. And everybody thought this was going to be a great idea. I wish they would move it back, but I think they're going to move it forward. Um, that is a big deal. That probably will happen. I don't know when they're going to settle on, but that is going to happen. All right, and this is a discussion for a different day, and I'm sure we'll get there eventually. So but you think it happens middle of the season now? Tomorrow's signing day? Yeah. I think it will either go before the season or immediately after the season, like when contact period starts late late November, early December. I think it's what they're going to go to. I don't agree with it. Okay. I wish they would move it back to the February date. But they've gone I think I'm with Grind here. I think I'm for a August sign. The pri- I know nobody cares. I get it. Nobody cares. You, you can't burn everybody out in life. There's a reason that there's rest and things. There's off time. It's designed. If, if you have a signing day of August 1st, for example, yeah. the month of July becomes hell. Well, I don't think they're talking about changing the calendar. It's still going to be dead and all that stuff. The problem with me is not the work with the August signing day. The problem is, all right, I signed Neil McCready from you know, Shreveport High. Okay, uh, Where'd you go to high school? Rustin. All right, so I just did you dirty right there. Yeah. All right, I signed Neil McCready from Rustin High School. I signed you in August. A lot of kids, they'll start – you're going to have guys opt out of senior years playing for the high school. I, I think it could be bad for the high school product yeah. by doing it that way. Um, probably not – and that's my only reason. The work is already done. Um, so that's not really a – I still think they'll keep it dead. But for me, I wish they would move it back. Well, they made it like – I don't understand why – what's wrong with the first Wednesday in February? It's worked for quite a while. It didn't. Guys could still enroll in school. Yeah, and you're, you're going to know what you're going to do portal-wise. Yeah. You know how many spots you have left, all those things. I would be for that, too. I'm, I'm fine with moving it back to the original date. I, I don't – this December thing's stupid, honestly. You'll hear another rule that's trying to get passed, and I promised I would talk about it today because I just reminded myself. Sure. There is a massive push to try to get photo shoots only on official visits. And I am 500% in agreement with that. Oh, yeah. They look stupid. <laughs> it's not how they look. It is if the fans knew what went into and how much tr- pains in the ass these photo shoots were, they would all just, they'd all be in agreement. They look really cool. So what you see on, on social media is you see these nice little pictures with their family. It is becoming the point. I literally was talking to a major program today that's oh, that's trying to head this up. All right. They are heading it up with a they're co they're co-sponsoring the rule with another major. I'm talking when I say major, two teams that have won national championships in the last 15 years. Okay. They're heading this rule up. Because what people don't realize is, okay, I got Neil McCready coming from from Rustin, Rustin High. Yeah, home he, wants of Bearcats. To, he wants to take a photo during camp. It takes a minimal. You got to have the equipment guy there because he's got to get you the equipment. So you, and you, you got to have all of your recruiting staff there. Okay, you got to and then you got to have the head of recruiting. You got to bring the coaches in and take the pictures and all that stuff. And you're trying to do this while the camp is going on. It's just not. There's just it's always in bad time. And so while I want you to take the photo shoot because I'm interested in recruiting you, I also got to do a photo shoot with your other 40 people that are with you. 
Oh, and I, we got, I we had, got. A, I, had a, I, I, I traveled on all of my visits with quite the posse. The big ones do, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, and now I got to give it to the parent. We got parents getting them uniforms. And this is a process. It takes a minimum of an hour to do. It's a process. It inconveniences everybody. And 99% of the people that, I mean, think about the pictures you see on online. Oh, yeah. 99.9% .9 of the players that actually do the photo shoots end up playing at your place. Don't don't end up playing at your place. What would you think of a player who came on an official visit and just said, hey, I'm not putting on the uniform until I'm signed. I'm not putting on the uniform until until I, get, I earned the right to wear it. Would you? Would you? Uh, would you up. love him? Oh, yeah. He'd go up in my book. He'd go up on everybody's book. If a player wants to stand out, if you want to get signed somewhere, say, I don't, I, I would rather wait to do a photo shoot. But if you do it during official visit, it's all cool. Right. Because the problem is, is it's never during the official visit. You're always like, it, it's always, it inconveniences everybody. And it, it's not a small amount of time. I mean, it's massive resources and everything else that goes into it. And I'll, and I've told this story here before. I can't make this up. We had three kids from a Memphis high school that was, everybody wanted us to sign. It was, and they were really good players and all that stuff. They come down in the middle, in the middle of the game. Wanting to do a shoot. To do a photo shoot in the middle of the game, coach. Would have told me everything I needed to know about those kids. Would have told me everything I needed to know right there about those kids. In the middle of the second quarter. I would have known everything I needed to know. They right go to there. the recruit, one of our, my recruiting staffers and wanted to do the photo shoot right then. And y'all did it. We did it. And guess what happened after they did the photo shoot? Left. They left. Yeah. So the kids, what I'm saying, the point of this drill is, is during these unofficial visits and stuff, these kids are going to schools to do photo shoots and really don't care anything about the visit. Mm -mm. They don't care anything about talking ball. It's about or, social media. It's about what can you do to make my clicks go up? Mm -hmm. How can I get more followers? Which would, again, just would tell me everything I needed to know. And this is not everybody. I need to say that. No, I'm, no, I, this course. is not about everybody. No. I, I think it's fine for some kids. But, like, the problem is, is when you have – you know, you're recruiting one kid, and he comes with 40 people. And I'm not joking. I've had him come with 40 people before, and all 40 want to do an, uh, a deal to the point to where you can't find shoulder pads or helmets that are small enough to fit some of these kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just gotten it's gotten ridiculous. And so there's a big push uh, for that to, to uh, go through, and I think it's hopefully it has some steam just where you do it on the official visits. Because mm -hmm. if you're bringing on the official visit, now now I have – well, you're everybody's interested at that. Everybody's point. interested right, at that point, right, and right. it's a whole different deal. And it's just like these photo shoots are different when it's somebody that you're actually recruiting. All right, so we got a lot of Ole Miss fans on here, right? Go look at the difference in, in photos produced for people who actually sign here to people who don't. Mm -hmm. Look at the photo shoot. You can tell really quick how interested the school is in your player and this and so-called player based on the photo shoot. You got old guy in a jersey just standing up by himself on the thing versus a guy in full gear, visor, chains, necklaces, and all that stuff. It'll tell you a lot because the fo the staffs have now gotten to the point where they're like, hey, just get him a jersey or whatever it is. But, like, it's a full-time job. Like, you could literally hire somebody, and that is their job as photo shoots. It's a full-time job. Can't even imagine what the rate of depression is for that person. Dude, my man Ken Crane was ready to jump off a bridge. Oh, I can't even imagine. Seriously. Because he's out trying to do camps. Or, I mean, I think about this. You got so much to do and you're having to do this BS. Imagine going to Ken Crane in the middle of the second quarter while we're playing LSU and saying, hey, I need one of your assistants that's trying to keep our guys on the field with his equipment right. I need him to go get some uh, a, a pair of extra large shoulder pads and some pants and, and all the jerseys set out for number three so we can go do a photo shoot right here in the middle of the second quarter. What do you, how do you think Ken Crane's going to go about that? Can you imagine what Nick Saban would have done? Oh, 
fun fact, we did not do photo shoots when I was at Alabama. Now they do them now, but we didn't do them. We did the jerseys, but we didn't the photo shoot stuff and um but we didn't do the, all the they do them now obviously cuz everybody has to do them now, yeah. but it's it's whoo, it's a handful. Uh, again, our thanks to Michael Lombardi for his time today. He the was best. absolutely awesome. That Did you enjoy a, that? That was a lot of fun. That was a treat. That was that was really cool. Um, that was cool. That was like a football encyclopedia. And then he drops the two books now that I want to read. I've heard of one of them, the the Devil's something. I, I've I've heard of that one. I'd not heard of the one with the with the mistress. I'm going. I, 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 I want to go find that now. I wrote it down. Ruth Payne. I got to go do some research. Like he's got my my ten full hats already on. I need to go back and listen and find the name of that book because that I'm 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 20 pages away from finishing the book that I'm reading right now. I need a new book, and that might you can read it during game game three. <laughs> I could. I got so into the book that I mean I'm literally and I'm a basketball junkie and I've followed the Nuggets all year and I'm like ah Jokic I'm this this is yeah yeah. Did you watch any uh, baseball this weekend? College? Yeah. I actually watched a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I watched. A lot of Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, I watched a lot of Florida. I watched South Carolina. Um, yeah, I watched a good bit. Do you know what college football needs right now? Do you do you watch the Squeeze Play channel on ESPN? Yeah, college football needs a a. Why can't ESPN? Red zone. It's it's all it is is it's red zone for yeah, baseball. Sure. If ESPN did the exact same thing for college football, that oh, would be huge. It'd be a huge hit because you could take all the games that are on the app uh-huh and put it on the one you know just like red zone and do the same thing dude that would be a massive hit for espn it would be it's a great I, i'm surprised no one's done it there, there's probably a contractual reason or something but i think yeah I, that'd be I mean, if they can do it for baseball they can do it for football well that's true and if there's not every game's on their app except for the fox stuff right right and cbs i guess mm-hmm. yeah that's not on the app but how many games are on espn compared to fox and i mean I'd probably say Countless. 60, 70% of the games are on yeah, ESPN. All some the Sunbelt games. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do it. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. That's all I got, boss. All right. Again, we've been brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to uh, push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. We will not be with you on Thursday. <laughs> We'll be back uh, next Monday, though, with another edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. For Tyler, I'm Neil. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.